Welcome to episode 3 of the Gaming Disorder Podcast. I am your host, the Forte Jorge. With me, as always, Dylan Lang. Dylan, how are you doing, bud? I'm not doing too bad, man. Glad we're starting episode 3, and today we have a pretty exciting topic, don't we? I'd, I'd be inclined to agree. Um, I'm pretty excited for it. It's something me and you were talking about throughout the week. This week's episode, we were going to talk about the expectations and the hopes we had for certain games that didn't exactly quite pan out the way that we wanted them to kind of your overall letdowns maybe things that we got involved in the hype and we're actually going to be mirroring that because we're also going to be talking about games that seemingly came out of nowhere and just kind of caught us off guard and surprised us you know something that you might have just really enjoyed and you didn't really see it coming so i'm i'm pretty excited to talk about this with you Dylan. but uh before we get into that how's your week been how's how's everything going uh, mine's been, uh, it could have gone better in all fairness, but in all honesty, when it, when it comes to the week, I definitely thought about, you know, a couple things that surprised me. I definitely thought more of it as, you know, not not more so hidden gems, but things that I personally liked and maybe a couple other people listening also enjoyed. So, you know, whatever I talk about today... I kind of feel like it's a representation to whoever appreciates these games too. So yeah, I'm stoked, I'm ready awesome. to do this. Awesome, man. What are you What are you playing right now? Before we get into our topic, what's going on with you? Still Ghost at the moment. Ghost of still Tsushima ghost. still. Yeah, still. man, it's really fun. Uh, it, there's really a lot more side quests than I really imagined. And oh, nice. The layout of the land is huge, so there's a lot to keep you busy in the game. Honestly, I feel like I'm not even done with half of it at this point. But wow. like so far into the game, it's kept me pretty busy for the past couple of days. Yeah, it's really good. That's like awesome, man. I'm glad to hear it. I haven't How about really, you, man? What you been playing? I haven't really gotten into Ghost as much as I've wanted to. Something about it just hasn't kind of captivated me yet. What? I'm not oh, saying man. that at any point as like a reflection on the game. It's, it's just, okay. you know, I got a lot of stuff going on with work. But actually, I've been playing, actually the majority of what I've been playing, I've been playing Pokemon Sword again. Oh, um, nice. I think I said last episode that the... Something happened when I was transferring my data from my OG Switch to the Switch Lite when I first got the Switch Lite, and I ended up losing my save file. I had gotten all the way to end of the Pokemon Sword. I had actually started doing some of the post-game stuff and battles and all that and, you know, breeding and trying to get the perfect IV Pokemon and all that. Yeah, I've, I've gotten back into it. I'm maybe... Maybe like 20 hours into it, if that. Maybe less than that, now that I think about it. I know I have like five out of the eight gym badges. So I've been I've been having a good time with it. Mainly because I've also been skipping the story. Because, you know, I could really care less about the story. I already went through it once. I don't really want to read all that shit again. So Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it doesn't get you as good as the first time, story-wise. You yeah. Know? Like, and... the replayability is one thing whenever it comes to, like, that story... Once you get it, unless there's, like, a new twist or a new turn, you know, Pokemon are just... It, it, the story is very static, you know? It stays the same. Yeah, I don't think that there's many people out there. Or there might be, actually. 
who play the Pokemon games for the story. It's like you want to capture the monsters, you want to collect them, yeah. you want to complete the Pokedex, you want to do Basically. all that good stuff. But yeah, no, so I've been I've been having a pretty good time with it. So yeah, that's good, man. Did you get the expansions? Uh, not yet. I think I'm probably just gonna wait until I reach the end game to get it. Really? Uh, I want to just burn through the main story first, and then kind of do all the expansion stuff. To be honest, I have no idea what's really in the expansion. Okay. So I'm kind of looking forward to going into it blind, you know, for the first time. Mostly because my best friend's wife started playing Pokemon, so I kind and she has Shield and I have Sword, so I was like, okay, I actually have someone who's playing this at the same time with me. She obviously has a different version. There's uh, version specific uh, version specific Pokemon in both games, so you know we can do that whole trading thing. So that's that's kind of almost like 100 percent of the reason why I started playing it again. So nice, yeah. Well, shoot, maybe I should get back on Pokemon too, man. I I stopped right at the last four, but I do have the expansion pass. I don't want to like tilt you on your decision or. Anything no, like that? I mean, like I said, I always clear the game and then play the expansion. At yeah, your case, but I'm I'm it, a person that tough. honestly, if I know the more people who are playing the same game, I'll have more fun with it. It's kind of like how I was talking about Dead by Daylight. Yeah, you know, I play Survivor when my friends are online because I can play with them, and when they're not, I usually play Killer. Any game that I can play with someone else, I usually tend to have more fun in. But then again, sometimes I just kind of want to do something by myself. But yeah, if you if you get into it, let me know, and we can definitely for sure, man, get some going, yeah, man, get some trades. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Dylan. So I think a good place to start off. Do you, I guess we could start off. Let's start with the bad first. I think when we were kind of composing our lists, you had mentioned to me that you couldn't really think of too many games that yeah. were kind of letdowns for you, which I'm, I'm really fascinated on because yeah. I, I'm constantly let down. Well, not constantly. That's unfair to say. But there is a normality to me being let down by certain games. So... I think naturally I just have a little bit more than you. You know, of course, these are games that you either had high expectations for and they were just like a complete letdown or you went into a game maybe hearing about it and it just didn't turn out what you wanted it to be for whatever reason. This in no way, shape, or form means that we think these games are bad. It's just you didn't quite get what you wanted out of them. So, because I think I, I think, you know, I gave you a little bit of a preview before we started recording, Dylan, and I think one yeah. of the games I brought up kind of surprised you, and you yeah. know, I'm looking forward to talking about that with you a little later. Yeah, man. But if you want, I can go ahead and start it off, unless you have one that you wanted to, to lead off with. Uh, nah, man, I'll, I'll take the floor and start us out. Definitely one that I want to just throw out there immediately mm-hmm. is Spider-Man 2. The Amazing Spider-Man 2, to be more accurate. This is the one that has... Andrew Garfield leading as Spider-Man. I'm not sure. Yeah, the first Spider-Man 2 with Tobey Maguire on PS2, I thought that game was pretty good. But the second one, well, the sec- the sequel to that, where they made open-world Spider-Man and everything, again, it, they did it for the Amazing Spider-Man storyline. Okay. But the game was very short, and the swing mechanics felt very cluttered. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just had so much going on with the swing mechanics, like aerial tricks and mm. stuff. Uh, it, uh, I think it just kind of gave you a lot more to do outside of the game than in the actual game. Oh, okay. So whenever it comes to like content in the game, it doesn't really give much to you to keep you busy. Like most games that I play, they give you at least 40 hours of entertainment, and that's spread it along, you know, the period of when you would be able to complete it personally you know so it's tailored suits everyone but most of the time games 
that can keep me preoccupied for about 40 hours until completion. That's a lot of entertainment, you know? Packed mm-hmm. into, like, one title. But this one, it was just one time you play it, no replayability. So, you know, there's no additional things you unlock. There are extra little areas that you can explore and little collectibles. But as far as, like, gameplay and, like, you know, being entertaining for you the entire time, it it feels more like a chore to play, really, than an actual... Mm. Yeah, like, I don't know. Like, I don't... If game sent me on hunt quest the entire time just to collect items or you know just to have cosmetics and stuff, those are nice and stuff. But you know they don't add to the you actual story. Yeah, like they didn't. I felt like the game gave you a lot more and a lot more categories than the actual game itself. No, okay. you know it wasn't a spider. It, it had Spider-Man stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and whenever you look at the cover, it's definitely a Spider-Man game, but it, it felt very short. And it didn't really give me enough out of it. So that that was a real big letdown to me right there. Spider-Man okay. 2 for The Amazing Spider-Man 2. Ah, gosh. For uh, what console was it on? It was on PS3. PS3? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Because yeah. I figured that's around the era that those the Andrew Garfield uh, Spider-Man movies had come out. So I imagine mm-hmm. that the games came out relatively close to the the movies which i'll be honest i i prefer the andrew garfield movies to the toby Maguire movies but that's another topic for another day i feel mm. like i say that and it's no man that's a topic for, for now if anything shoot. go ahead <laughs> uh toby Maguire fucking sucks <laughs> what man i can't believe you said that that's oh, the original man. spider-man to me right there if i bro. see toby Maguire in the street i'm slapping him for that terrible Dude, if i see scene. andrew garfield i am beating him in the face and then i'm hopping out of the bush to defend his honor like a shining knight look just glistening in the florida sun uh, okay back to the topic on games instead of these <laughs> video these movie actors but okay the, the ps3 mm-hmm. had a lot of original spider-man games mm-hmm. on it that i feel were a much more they the better suited spider-man you know right and whenever this game came along it's like it, it broke that that streak that they were going on you mm. had for example web of shadows, web uh, shadows which i never played. yeah dark side i think there was dark no oh, dimension something oh, gosh it's the one where he goes shattered dimensions shattered dimensions thank you mm-hmm. oh that was so good too never played that one either what? That was Not actually for any pretty good. Reason, I can't you... remember the title of it that well at times, but mm-hmm. I remember playing that game, and it definitely gave you a... It, it wasn't open world, you know? Mm-hmm. It was a very linear Spider-Man game. It kind of felt like... Have you played the Spider-Man 1 games on the PlayStation 1? Oh, you mean the Neversoft ones? Oh, yeah. The by Activision. Oh, I yeah, love Spider-Man 1. Yeah, it kind of felt like playing that game, you know? Like, right. That's a the, great game. The story is very, like, straightforward to you, you know? That's fine. Right. But with open world and the amazing Spider-Man, it's just it. I guess you get to your destination markers or whatever on the map mm-hmm. so quickly, or things aren't spaced out properly. They didn't give you enough area to explore. You know, it, it just wasn't really a lot going on with the game. Would you I'd say be in like under six hours, maybe? Oh wow! Yeah, that's, that's just short. a single sitting. Yeah, I mean. I guess if you want to customize the difficulty setting, it might, like, give you a couple extra hours, but I, I don't know. Like, would whenever you, it comes to, like... Would you say... Up. Is it safe to say that with this being a PS3, I'm assuming, like, early to mid-PS3 era game, that... Because obviously, you know, Insomniac Spider-Man, I feel like that is the staple for a Spider-Man game. Like, oh, I feel yeah, man. almost like no one can make a Spider-Man game. 
after that that's not insomniac because i feel like they just nailed it yeah and you know obviously you have different different versions of things you know but i I, i'm just so i'm wondering if for that particular era if they were like okay you know we have this stronger hardware at the time let's make it open world and maybe they they maybe because you know you say the story is pretty short and that yeah the the swinging felt gimmicky which i think that that's almost like one of the first things you have to nail when you're making a Spider-Man game because yeah, it's what Spider-Man does. <laughs> you know, he swings. It, 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 he swings. You know, it's like making a Batman game where he doesn't have a cape. You know, I don't. Know if, <laughs> I'm not a Batman historian by any means, but I'm pretty sure Batman has at least the majority of the time had a cape. But you know, for like the Arkham City games, it's such an integral part in the game, and you know, you you stun bad guys with your cape, and that's how you glide. So for for that particular game where you're saying that even the swinging didn't feel right that that i feel like that's a pretty big thing but luckily luckily i feel spider-man has had some redemption in in video games because you know at least my history with them i played the first one on the ps1 great i loved it you had like the collectibles where you collect the original comic book covers and you had the different suits and all that and then i believe that i played the second one on ps1 as well which i think was like electro's revenge or shocker's revenge something like that i feel Um, like it was like a Carnage, Doctor Octopus combination thing. Oh, that was at the Some end sort of the first mutation. one. Oh, that was the yeah. first game. That was at the end of the first one because you had this whole part at the end where he would be chasing you through like a ventilation system, which you know it, it was. That it sounds was pretty so exciting gimmicky, at the time. For yeah, PS1. I mean, don't get me wrong. At the time, I was like, great. I can't tell you how many times I failed that mission, but <laughs> um, yeah, I do remember that being really great. And then I think even in the PS2 era, there were some pretty good, pretty good spider-man games i don't know if it was ultimate spider-man i might have that wrong for the ps2 era right there was a ps2 era spider-man game that was intentionally made to look like the comic which one exactly you're talking about and yeah Yeah. it is the ultimate spider-man art and i think i remember that you know one of my friends stefan he had gotten it, and I remember playing. I was like, "Man, this not nah, playing it." I was actually watching him play because, to be honest, that was one of the games where I felt perfectly fine watching someone play versus playing myself. So, I remember seeing it. I was like, "Man, this art style is pretty cool." And I think he was doing like a rhino fight at the time, but it was just. It, I was like, "Oh, okay, this felt like the natural step, the natural evolution from the PS One games." So it, it was just so cool to see. And then I know that there were some hit and miss ones for the for the PS3. I think we mentioned Dimensions. I think Web of Shadows was good, but I like I said, I never played it, so I don't really know what the overall feeling for that one. Yeah. But I think it's so cool that you have these franchises. You know, Spider Man is such a, a, a noteworthy franchise. I feel like for most people, even who aren't into comics and aren't into games, if you ask them, you know, most people are going to know exactly who Spider Man is. So I, I'm really glad, like what Insomniac did with with Spider Man, uh, because it it made it it made it feel real, you know, with modern technology, and it, it it's so funny playing that game. I, I do think back to like the original one that I played yeah. on PlayStation One. Yeah. So, but yeah, you know, it's very interesting because you're you're a pretty big fan of Spider Man, right? Oh yeah, definitely. Well, yeah, I think so. a little bit of us all are. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm a fan of Spider-Man in terms of like comic heroes. I think he's he's definitely up there for me. But I can only imagine how it is for you, someone who's you know very much a Spider-Man fan. Probably yeah. looking forward to this game with what some would argue is the best Spider-Man in the you know in the cinematic oh, yeah. universe of Andrew Garfield. And then for his for the game to not reflect that and yeah, you know, it, it it wasn't really based on the movie too. So oh, that's surprisingly, yeah, right. Oh, I'm sorry. Spoilers for anyone who didn't play the game. Sorry. Trust me. This this game i feel there's don't get me wrong certain games where there's probably going to be some spoilers in some of the games that we talk about in this episode okay. but i promise in at least my opinion it's really of nothing of consequence your your heavy hitters your your staples the games that come up in the game of year discussion so you know we have some some games that we're going to be going over and just if you don't feel like hearing to like something spoiler ish we'll try to keep it obviously a spoiler light conversation but we are going to be going into detail some of these games. So, but yeah, yeah man. do you have anything else you'd like to to add for your Spider-Man? Because that's mm, your first nah, one to kind of let you down, huh? Yeah, I mean, there is another one to the list, but you know, I feel like I've had the floor for a good enough minute. How about you tell us one that you know you didn't really like that much, so or one that you really were a fan of? Okay. Whatever you feel like talking about. So I think we'll we'll knock out the letdowns first. Okay. And we can kind of end on a on a lighter note, you know, instead of dwelling on the negative. Like we can move forward. And some of these games, even though they will be on my you know games I had high hopes for that didn't turn out to pan out the best, I will definitely be touching on some positives as well. It's not just going to be a strictly negative conversation. But the first game. And it's so funny because when we had the conversation about the games that we were going to be talking about that let down, this is the first game that came to my mind in terms of letdowns. In fact, I want to say that the topic for this episode came from my feelings of this game, period. And that is... Wow, that really spiked something then. Yeah, that is 2014's Godzilla on the PlayStation 4. Now, I'm going to try not to go on like this weird alex jones type rant because of how i feel about this game because i am a huge fan of godzilla for those of you that don't know out there i love godzilla i love the movies i have godzilla figures in my house like i have a whole bookshelf dedicated to like my godzilla figures so i'm a huge fan of godzilla so when i heard that they were making this game it was published by namco by the way i got super excited because godzilla is one of those franchises that in terms of video games is some it's just in my opinion it just hasn't really been explored how i want to play a godzilla game uh there was a really good one on the wii and i feel like that's mostly because it used the motion of the wii remotes uh to be honest i can't really remember what that one was called i think it was called like godzilla there's one in the there's one godzilla movie that's called uh all monsters all out attack or something like that so the one for the wii i think had a title similar to this so i remember that getting that one for christmas uh one year on the wii and i remember i was like oh man this is pretty cool but the godzilla on ps4 it's just Godzilla. It's not all Monsters Attack or anything like that. And it was right, I want to say, before or after the new Godzilla movie had come out, and which I actually liked. Uh, I actually had no issues with it. Not compared to like the one that they released, I believe, in 97, 98, that the United States released, and that was a horrendous piece of shit. If I could erase my mind from seeing that movie, I would. It was just... The design was horrible. The story was kind of whatever... Matthew Broderick was in it, and it, it, it was just, it was definitely not, oh, you want to talk about movies that I was looking for that I was let down? Godzilla 1998, games that let me down, Godzilla 2014. It's like, why do you hate me? 
<laughs> why do you want it? Why do you hate me? I want to give you my money. I want to give you my support. And you fuck me. You fuck me <laughs> on the reg. But anyway. So, Godzilla Man. 2014. I, I'm, I don't know why I keep saying 2014. It's just the year that the game came out. But it's all good. Gotta it, clarify. So, it is a kaiju battler. So, you know, you select your monster. You, the good thing is about this game, there's a wide variety of Godzilla and Godzilla enemies that you can select from. But it's just... The game did not play well, in my opinion. I think it was a port. I think it actually came out on PS3 and was just ported to PS4. But it was very weird because you would move forward with, like, the analog stick. But you had to use, like, L1 and R1 to kind of rotate your character around. And it just felt, like, monotonous and slow. And I was just not a fan of it. You know, the selection of of characters that you can play as was great. It's okay. just the the mechanics behind it, not so much the gameplay, was, was just super boring to me. And, like, this is a franchise that I love. Like, there are very few things that I love more than Godzilla. Oh, and maybe Cuban sandwiches, but that's that's about it, you know? Man, the only thing missing in this game is probably Godzuki. Yeah. I don't know what that is, and I what? feel like I don't oh, want you man. to tell me. You, you don't. <laughs> yeah, let's just leave it at that, and then I'll hit you later off the air. Um... <laughs> But, you know, you could select different versions of Godzilla, and it it was just the same thing over and over again. Like, the level layout, you know, of course you can go through buildings and destroy them and do all that fun stuff, but it wasn't even fun. I kid you not, the the levels that you would play in, to me, looked like backgrounds that you would see in, like, a PS2 game. Just, like, these square buildings, nothing really going on, like, they're just placeholders. And, you know, of course the mainstay of the game is the combat, but then wouldn't the combat be so much better? better than what at least i believed it was i mean it's funny i was like am i the only person that feels this way i like i went on metacritic and the game has like a 38 percent on metacritic and at least it made me feel better because i'm like okay i'm not the only person who fucking hated this game and the thing is (laughs) i wanted to love it so much i wanted to love it i promise I, i i gave it multiple chances ultimately i like returned it and then I went like two months later and I bought a used copy and I was like, let me give it another try. And then every time I was like, this isn't good. I just wanted to be, you know, man, it's weird because I feel bad because I almost feel like entitled, like, oh, give it to me. No, but it's like a Godzilla game, a good Godzilla game can be so good and engaging and entertaining if it's done right. But unfortunately, I feel like it's a very niche audience on who loves Godzilla that I don't think we're ever going to see like a high quality Godzilla game. I mean, I hope I'm wrong, but I don't feel like we're ever going to see that high quality, you know, triple A, great combat, great art, great design, even like a good story, you know, in the in the Godzilla franchise. It's kind of like a complete opposite to Spider-Man, you know, cuz Spider-Man has so many good stories and so many good versions of it, and I just feel like Godzilla for me it's like I I don't I honestly think I'll never get that and that's that's fine I've made my peace with it but this game really really let me down really let me down it's like if I had a son and my son was like dad I fucking hate video games and then I'd be like well I fucking hate you but uh no it's got obviously I'm kidding forever banished from the Forte Jorge household yeah it's like get out of here just I'm just gonna leave him at a lake one day (laughs) but But yeah, 2014's Godzilla is definitely the first game that came to mind because I remember reading about this game and I remember at one point they're like, oh, these are all the confirmed kaiju so far and you had 
Man. Godzilla, yeah. you had like 74 Godzilla, you had Godzilla 2000, you had Mecha Godzilla. Mecha Godzilla, Mecha Godzilla 2, you had But they King didn't Ghidorah. put in Godzuki? I don't know what that is, Dylan. You don't know who Godzuki is? No. Godzuki is like he's he's basically like a baby kaiju that appeared with Godzilla in like a 1980s animation back in the day. And then it, in it was a cartoon? Yes. Okay, see, I didn't know about that because I never even I never paid attention to the cartoon. <laughs> I know that in the movie franchises, Godzilla does have offspring, uh, Menya. Yeah. yeah. Uh, oh, which, that's what its name is. Uh, it's there's various. I think there's more than one Godzilla movie or story arc where Godzilla does have a son. Yeah, but no. I believe it's Menya. I think it's like M E N N Y A. But, yeah, I was just so disappointed with this game because I, you know, you had Destroy in there, you had Gigon, and I know these are probably just crazy words to no one who, to anyone who doesn't know anything about Godzilla, but, I, and then the cool thing is they even included the new Godzilla from the movie, the, the, the U.S. movie that came out a few Wait. years ago. So, I don't know a lot about Godzilla myself. Mm-hmm. Is the original Godzilla movie, that Godzilla, different from the Godzilla in the movie that came out in the U.S.? Yes. You know, oh, so they're, they're the same Godzillas, basically. No, they're different. They're different. Oh. So, different Godzillas follow different storylines because you have different eras okay. in Godzilla. I, I think it's called, like, you have the Toho era, and then you have, like, another era from... It's kind of like, oh, because you got to understand, Godzilla is a franchise that started in the 50s. Yeah. Godzilla was created based off of, I think, from what, everything I've read in the documentaries I've watched, from the fear of nuclear power after the U.S. dropped the atomic bomb on Japan. And mm. that fear of nuclear power is kind of what inspired Godzilla, because, of course, Godzilla has nuclear-based powers. And he's like, here's this, this giant hulking force that basically just destroys cities so that's kind of where it originated from and it's it's played with every now and again but like i was saying there's different eras you have the era it's kind of from like the early to mid 50s to like 64 and then you have it from like the late 60s to like the mid 70s and then you have like the 80s to 89 and then the 90s godzilla movies so there's different eras i'm a huge fan of the 80s and 90s godzilla movies because that's when they started to get quote-unquote cooler to me although one of my favorite godzilla movies is from like the 60s it's godzilla versus monster zero uh monster zero is actually the code name they give king Ghidorah, which king Ghidorah is the main rival of godzilla it's the three-headed golden dragon Um, oh that's like lightning based or something yeah and i just love the design a three-headed dragon and earlier movies each head had a different sound because they were independent and then in one of them i think it's godzilla versus king Ghidorah 2 or maybe it's in one of the rebirth of mothra movies Mm -hmm. where the middle head gets blown off and then the government comes by or maybe it was the aliens now i can't remember i know this is gonna sound obscure i had no idea there were so many like nemesis in the godzilla see i I thought that it was like a whole king kong thing just you know some giant monster coming in and destroying the town or you know that's what i essentially thought godzilla was oh no well sometimes it is because the thing is, Godzilla's not always the protagonist. Yeah. Godzilla sometimes is the bad guy. And, I mean, in my favorite Godzilla movie, which is Shin Godzilla, a.k.a. Godzilla Resurgence, you know who co-directed that movie? Hideaki no. Anno, who is the guy that made Neon Genesis Evangel- Evangelion. 
So you had this like legendary anime director making a modern day Godzilla, and Godzilla is the bad guy in the movie. I'm telling you, D, if you get a chance, watch Shin Godzilla. Shin Godzilla? It is great because not only is Godzilla the bad guy, but the movie is really about how would the modern day react if one of these threats came to life? And it's cool because first you just see like a tail in in the bay and then he slowly starts like morphing into a creature that can come on land. But then he overheats and then the government attacks him. So then he has to like go away into the ocean. And when he comes back, he's evolved to be able to breathe on land and walk upright. And it's really just telling the government's response on how they're dealing with this threat. And it has like these crazy cool anime moments in it. Oh my gosh, Shin so Wait, it's an animated movie no 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 it's live action oh anim it's got like crazy anime moments yes because like i said hideaki ano who is the guy who made evangelion he even has some songs from evangelion in that movie and hmm. it, it's so good if you get a chance to check it out but now i'm just I talking about godzilla godzilla then no i mean yeah, that's now the i'm just talking about godzilla it. as a whole but yeah mine one of mine Godzilla, published by Namco. Uh, I'll probably never play it again because I love myself. So, what you got, D? Oh, man. Well, uh, let's get into something that definitely was a pleasant surprise for me. One that I really want to talk about since you brought up, you know, Godzilla games. I'm not sure if you heard of this game, but there's one called War of the Monsters. Oh, yes. The PS2 game. That was the first yeah. party game, actually. Oh, man. That was actually... Yeah, it was one of the titles that came out whenever the PlayStation 2 first originally launched. And there were two games that I got. Because that, that's like your starter set whenever you ever get a console. It's always the console. You get two games to keep yourself busy. If you're lucky. Yeah. I mean, Unless your parents I, are cheapskates I, like me. No. My, <laughs> as stated in the first episode, my parents were pretty well off. And they liked to, you know, they liked to spoil us from time to time. We were that's good. good. Yeah, man. But Dragon Ball Z Budokai 1 was the first one that we got. Oh, and the that's second a great game. game to start with. I love Look, the Budokai franchise. I mean, everyone loves the Budokai franchise. We're not here to talk about Budokai, though. Um, not talk- Bandai Namco because they don't re-release it. <laughs> but anyway. We're here, we're here to talk about War of the Monsters just because mm-hmm. I feel like, personally, if you were to, you know, if you were let down by that Godzilla game, mm-hmm. you can find redemption in this game through characters similar to Godzilla but not really yeah kaiju yeah I mean it's it's basically what the game is based off of I mean they got like giant mechas and that stuff too but similar to Godzilla games like that too but it had like fully destructible terrains and a big map and surprisingly boss fights too which is weird because you wouldn't expect boss fights to be in that game you kind of expect I kind of feel like it's one of those fights where it's like if you're playing Marvel vs. Capcom and then the final boss, it's like some final form of like, I don't know, Ultron or something like that, you know? Some just monstrous form of him that you fight. That's similar to how they had the boss fights in this game, where it's just like some hulking figure and you had to just fight it off as like a lone monster. And I thought that was pretty cool, you that know? That was pretty cool. Yeah, right? Especially for the type of fighting game it was, because it was a fighting game, essentially. Like, mm. you would queue up. One player, one player, you both control the monsters, and you just fight in an arena. That's it. So the way that they added boss fights in that game, I think that it would interest you if you ever popped in your PlayStation 2 again. But Actually, War of the Monsters is available as a digital download uh, in the PS2 Classic section of the PlayStation 4. You can download it. 
No way. Yeah, there's certain games that you can still download PS2 classics of on the PS4. Oh, uh, the yeah. PS3 had like a better PS2 classics library, in my opinion, because yeah. you could download like Persona 3 Fez, which is like the best version of Persona 3. War of the Monsters or War of the Giant. Uh, yeah, War of the Monsters. That being a Sony first party title, if I remember correctly, you can you can get that, and I think fairly cheap too. I think it's like less than ten bucks on the PlayStation Network. So I'm I'm definitely gonna have to try it out. I don't know if they've done any visual fidelity updates to it. Uh, on available on the PS4 version, but yeah. Now that you said that, I, I can. I feel like I can get my kaiju battler itch. Yeah, man. I mean, if anything, just look up like a video on it just to see if that's something that you would be interested in first, or check out the trailer. Oh yeah, if for they sure. Have one posted. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, you know, obviously coming off of Godzilla, do you have what's? Uh, do you have another game on your list that's kind of a letdown or? Well, one that yeah, that kind of disappointed me was now I. I, I want to start this off by saying that I am a huge Mega Man fan. As we both are. And I mean, our intro is Storm Eagle music. Yeah, right. <laughs> we, both of us are pretty good Mega Man fans. So whenever, you know, they announced that Capcom would stop production of Mega Man games, I, I think this was like sometime around like 2008. Just the way that Mega Man games are played and stuff. Yeah, he wasn't suited to it. They tried things with Mega Man X7. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't really working, and it, they went back to the old formula, but it was just res higher. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But it, it kind of felt the same. Nowadays, most Mega Man games still do that, but they're they're still good. They're for what you get from the game. They provide you a good amount of entertainment. Okay. But with Mighty Number no. Nine, oh, see, Mighty Number no. Nine. Yeah, that's what I want to get into right now. Mighty Number no. Nine is the next one on my list and i had real high hopes on this game just because they started their own kickstarter and everything too i do yeah there was this yeah. like whole era of i think the developer game. was keiji inafune or something inafune. like that yeah who he might was be the coming creator. up yeah he might be coming up a little bit later on one of mine as well so really mm-hmm. oh man well yeah, Mighty Number no. Nine with that whole you know Kickstarter and everyone being so like we felt as a big fan of the Mega Man community. I felt that with you know them making that announcement that Mega Man is pretty much a dead character in the backseats of Capcom forever. I was pretty disheartened about that, but to hear that he made his own his own company and his own team of original people that helped start him off with Mega Man X soundtracks mm-hmm. and all these great He's very that... deeply involved in oh this yeah one, so see that's the thing the game had everything that you would expect to make a great Mega Man X or a great sequel or you know whoever is to take the torch up for Mega Man you know we, we had so much expectations out of this character and whenever we finally got the game all right Oh, man. Ah, dude, I shit you not. This guy doesn't even have, like, a charge shot or something like that. He's just got, like, a basic dash that kills people, and that's it. And it's like, the gun, the game, you shoot them, and it stuns them. And once you stun them, you dash through them, and it, like, absorbs them or something like that. You take, like, their weapon energy or something. And while I get that it's got its own, it's got to have its own, like, game gimmick to make it separate from its Mega Man predecessor. It doesn't mean that, you know, that necessarily worked in favor of it. it. The game was very short played, too. It only lasted about a good three hours at tops. Maybe four if you're playing it at the most highest difficulty setting, but it... <sighs> KG Unifine, if you're listening to this, I just gotta say, man. 
I mean, I'm sure he, he is. had one How job. could he not be? How could KJ Inafune, <laughs> of all people, not be listening to the Gaming Disorder podcast, right. the number one podcast in Bangladesh? I've just got, <laughs> I've just got one thing to say to you, man. You had one job, and you lost it. <laughs> you hear that, KG? Dylan's coming for you. <laughs> you better not go get, you know, gas at a gas station without looking over your shoulder because Dylan Lang is so upset right about there. my number nine. <laughs> Which, you know, I, I from what I understand from people in the Mega Man community especially, that is kind of the overall feeling on it. They were just kind of let down by it. And I was kind of excited for it too because I'm obviously such a huge fan of Mega Man X. The first Mega Man game I played was Mega Man X. And X4 on the PS1 was just such a great game as well. You know, Keiji Nafune, let's, I'm, I'm just going to give him his props real quick. You know, he, he was very much... Obviously, the producer, uh, Mega Man, also one of the producers of the Dead Rising franchise, uh, which I didn't know. And he was the designer and creator. He made Zero for Mega Man X. And, you know, it's such a cool character, in my opinion, because I always always liked Zero better than Mega Man. Just because, you know, Zero had a saber as opposed to a a cannon, like the X-Buster. That's pretty cool. Yeah, he gets props for that. Zero's definitely grown on me over the years, but Mega Man is definitely like... Because you know when you would play X4 Zero and you'd be like, every time he'd have to do like a a triple slash, but yeah, I thought Zero. Zero was also the difficulty barrier for that game because Zero was way harder to beat the game as, in my opinion, as X because you had to get close to the enemy. But yeah... It's funny because I, I do hear that same thought shared by a lot of people who I know who are huge fans of, of Mega Man. Uh, it's so funny because, I, I, you know, as a lot of you may know, uh, I listen to a lot of podcasts. And uh, there's this guy named Colin Moriarty. He used to be with IGN and then he helped start Kind of Funny and then left to do his own thing. His podcasts are great. It's he, he, I feel like in terms of the gaming industry, when people think Mega Man fans, he's one of the biggest ones up there. And he always does talk about where's that missing link between the original Mega Man, um, the original Mega Man games with like Doctor Wily, and where's like the the joining game yeah. between Mega Man and Mega Man X? And he oh, talks man, about. I would you know, love to see like that middle piece too. Like at the time where Mega, I mean, they definitely have tried to implement extra things. Like I haven't played the Mega Man Nine or the Mega Man Ten titles. Mm-hmm. I, I think eleven just, was the last one, with the exception. Eleven of was course, the last one. That the was the one that came collection. out after Mighty Number no. Nine. Yeah, and I, yeah. from what I understand, Mega Man Eleven was more in line with what a lot of you know OG Mega Man fans were looking for. It was definitely more people liking Eleven as opposed to Mighty Number no. Nine. I feel oh, Mighty yeah. Number no. Nine was an overall letdown See, for the. To be honest, group. like if I'm taking a step back and not trying to look at both games from a Mega Man X fan too, like I still think that Mega Man still was able to give you a lot more out of it. They definitely changed up like his forms between the transformations and everything, but every thing aside from that it wasn't just where you know you get one single like animation of Mega Man just you know shooting a shot from his buster and then what a lemon comes out or a fire comes out or a scissor or boomerang comes mm-hmm. out you know instead it's just he takes a new, different form mm-hmm. and he does a different attack so I think that was pretty interesting plus they yeah. made it a lot easier with the form wheel instead of having to manually manually press the triggers to change your weapons Okay. Special weapons. Yeah. Well, yeah, I guess that makes that that would make sense. Uh, that, that that feels a little bit more modern than having to manually cycle through all your forms, finding the right one that you're looking yeah. for. So now let me ask you this: for Mighty Number no. Nine, 
did you have to play with the crab claw? The crab claw? Oh, you mean like, oh, I know what you're talking about, where it's like you're pinching the controller, right? Or almost where have that little... your pointer finger, instead of it being on top, it's curled to the front of the controller yeah. so that you can hit the face buttons. Because no, man. when I, I think to... of games okay. that made me form the crab claw, <laughs> Mega Man X was definitely up there because you can hold square the whole time and just have your shot your your shot just charging yeah. at the whole time. I know some people comment on it that it looks weird because I, I do that, but yeah, Mega Man X definitely helped me develop uh rheumatoid arthritis from the way I had to <laughs> <laughs> adjust my grip just so I can have a shot in at all times, you know. So but so let me ask you this. Because you played uh, my number nine and I didn't. I played like maybe like the first ten minutes of it and I was like, oh okay, this isn't for you me just personally. Knew to put it away. Yeah. But what is the structure? Because, you know, in the original Mega Man games, you, you fight the Robot Masters. Okay. In Mega Man X, you fight the Reploids, right? And you can choose yeah. which stage you go to. And obviously, different stages give you different upgrades that you then carry to other stages. So, for instance, one will have, like, a heart container that increases your overall health. But you can't get that heart container until you get the Boomerang. So you go and beat the Boomerang boss. And then you go back to the other level and then grab that heart container. So now your health is permanently upgraded. Did... Mighty Number no. 9 have a similar structure in levels, or how did it play out compared to those? Well, it's pretty similar. At least, I feel with the story, at least, it was very, like, in your face. For example, characters they introduced into it kind of gave off, like, their presence in what they would add to the story. Okay. For example, I'm not sure if you remember Colonel from, like, Mega oh, Man, yeah. Mega Man, Man X4 and stuff. Of course. You definitely knew he had, like, good intentions as a character you know but you still had to fight him you know yeah. which was surprising in the game whenever they introduce characters in mighty number no. nine it kind of feels like you know whatever they are that's kind of what they will be if they introduce a character that has a little bit of this presence that doesn't feel right mm-hmm. then you definitely know that okay that's going to be like an antagonist in the game you know they they didn't really surprise you in any way they just okay. kind of threw it in your face so that was something that kind of didn't really keep me into it as much also it, it was your basic Mega Man game too where it's like you had an introduction stage mm-hmm. then after your introduction stage you get the open world map that you can select where it's like oh these are different regions that have different robot masters or in this game mighty numbers and you go against them and they have their like own unique stage gimmicks and they're pretty interesting depending but it just didn't feel like it gave me what I wanted mm-hmm. would it say yes. would it be safe to assume that when you wanted Legos, and your parents are like, here's Mega Blocks. And it's kind of like, okay, no, this I is kind of the same, blocks. or not. <laughs> I feel like in that scenario, no, nah, I, I would definitely uh, trash the Mega Blocks and ask for the Legos. Yeah. Okay. Shout out to Dylan for being an ungrateful child, but. What? <laughs> Some of us would no, have Mega Blocks. <laughs> no, I'm just I'm kidding. Just saying, <laughs> if, if my family got me Mega Man 11, and one side of the family got me Mighty Number no. 9. I just know which side of the family I'm never going to speak to again, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's that's fair. That's fair. So, yeah, I, you know, the funny thing is it's one of those things that it's not everything can be a hit, and that's okay because I feel like that's what kind of makes the games that do get it right shine so yeah. much. Like, I would love to see. I love, for instance, that the Mega Man X Legacy Collection is a thing because I can go back and I can play the original X. I can play X4, which are the, my two... When you ask me my two favorite Mega Man games, it's a... You know, one is on the Super Nintendo, one is on the PlayStation 1. Shocker. I know. I love a game that was on PlayStation. But uh, X4 is so good. 
the animation, oh, yeah. the intro. Is there a better like animated intro from the early nineties no. than that? I mean, oh god, yeah, Zero that, and Colonel right are there. fighting with the sabers, and that's the other thing I liked about Colonels. He also uses a saber, and then you have Double. That you know, I thought they did a pretty good job of hiding the fact that he is a double agent, which obviously yeah, right. where it comes from. But you, until you, you see that one cutscene where you see him actually transform, but yeah, so. Back to Mighty Number no. Nine. I know we're getting a little bit off topic. You know, we're kind of ranting about Mega Man as a whole. But is there? Does Mighty Number no. Nine have a Sigma? Does Mighty Does Mighty Number no. Nine have like a Doctor Wily uh, type character? Oh, man, it's been such a long time since I've played the game, and in all honesty, it's not. It didn't feel memorable. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. some games, they hit you for like a well, moment. That says a lot. You get the story a little bit, but then if it just kind of doesn't impact you as much it's kind of like man it kind of makes me think maybe i should replay the game just to get a better feel for it again but i don't really want to go through that again i'd rather keep that hour of sleeping or something you know put it to use instead of playing that game again that's fair okay so do you have anything else you want to touch on before i give my next one or anything you want to say specifically to kj inafune (laughs) kj inafune i think you were like family to me man what happened? You, you broke my heart. <laughs> oh. All right, man. But on to you, man. Is there anything you'd like to talk about? So yeah, We can just trash on KG if you want, though, man. No, no. The man is a legend, <laughs> and he does have a redemption arc. So I think that no, if I get that. I, I've done one, you've done two. I think if we do one more, and then we can kind of move into games that you know took us by surprise and things like that. Yeah. So I'll do one more, and then we can kind of make that transition. I think we're a little bit under an hour right now, so yeah, it's fine. you know this might be the longest one we do, just because we're trying to cover a wide variety of things. But so my next one is a little gem, and I say gem, and it's one of those things that I have to criticize myself because when this game came out, I was like on the forefront. I was right there. I was on the front lines, taking the bullets. Like Piccolo protecting Gohan, I was just spread eagle, just taking that shot. Yeah, I that's fucking, fucking said moving, it. man. So, a little game on one of my most most cherished consoles, the PlayStation Vita, and the game is PlayStation All Stars Battle Royale. Oh no! You know, I kind of feel like I expected that in some way. Dylan, I you're speechless. You don't even know how to put words to explain how terrible this game was right i was a fool because here's the thing here's the thing me being me diehard sony advocate vita like i said i got two of them on my desk right now when i first heard the rumors of their playstations doing a smash brothers style game i heard the rumors too and i was so excited because i was like oh shit because you know you have crash bandicoot you have spyro you have snake from metal gear you have cloud from final fantasy 7 it's weird so many good characters these characters that i'm naming a lot of them are ironically in smash now but yeah it's oh my god it was i got it i played it i you know it it was just i feel like they were they had they sat down they're like we need to get something equivalent to smash we need to have a smash level game because you know smash is very much a nintendo thing obviously but no one else has like a smash brothers that's just a fact. No one else has one. And I feel like the only other person who could make a Smash Brothers competitor is Sony because what is Microsoft going to do? Be like, oh, here's Master Chief and uh, whatever Martin Phoenix or whatever his name is from Gears yeah, of War. From Gears of War. Yeah. And here's the the Nissan Maxima from Forza 4, you know? <laughs> 
It doesn't. And while we're know. at it, we also threw in the car from the Street Fighter's bonus level. <laughs> exactly. <Go> <laughs> but Sony just has those characters, I feel. You know, you had Nathan Drake. You had, I almost want them to make another one just because they've come so far. But we're focusing on the one for the Vita. So I got this game. I was super hyped. I was like, yo, not only is it a Smash Brothers-like game, it's on a portable console and I can bring this with me. And as you know, the, the Vita had local connectivity options and also internet connectivity options. So I was like, I can have like these games. I can I can play against people like wherever I'm at. That's awesome. So it wasn't executed well because of the I feel like they half-ass copied Super Smash Brothers. And if you're going to do that, you might as well just copy all of it. Because I feel like where they made the mistake was they're like, okay, we're gonna copy the the arena style, you know, platforming and you can be launched. But First of all, one of the things I didn't like is, you know, every character had a special move. Uh, level 1, 2, and 3 special move. And, of course, the level You're talking like an expendable meter? Like how they have in fighting games? Yes. So, basically, you know, picture Street Fighter. You know, you build up your special move, you do your special move, it drains it. Okay. So, everyone had could get up to level 3 meter. But how you got that meter was by, you know, damaging other opponents. The problem is that you could not kill an opponent if you did not use your special on them so picture like smash brothers except you couldn't i think in in all-stars battle royale i think there were some levels that you could fall off and then lose a life in but i don't think that there were many so the only way you could get rid of your opponent is you basically had to beat on them till you developed your super use your super and then that's how you took them out does it matter which one, like level 1, 2, or 3? No, it's just like level 1 is going to be something simple where you can like kill one person. Level 2 is going to be something a little bit bigger. And then level 3 is going to be like your, oh, you could probably take out every enemy type of thing. So it's just like reward factor, really. That's yeah. about it. Like, so my biggest problem with that system is just it just did not make the game fun. You basically felt like you were just hitting enemies, buying time until you got your super. Yeah. And I was almost like if you were going to copy the Smash bros formula they should have just copied it 100 percent, or as much as they legally could because and then that would have made more sense you know have it based on damage have it that you can knock them out of the arena have your supers have all that because some of the i mean was there like a life meter or something like that too because i kind of feel like if you get the meter and you use like a level one and you just kill your opponent that kind of feels quick that's exactly how it was. There was no life meter. So Really? It was basically oh, you have your meter and then it tells you how many lives you have, like one life, two life, like your stock, like in Smash. But you would basically build up your super meter till you can use your supers to then kill your enemy. And then that was really it. So once then, I if I were playing the game with you and I were to get hit by that special attack, regardless of the amount of meter you burned, I would just lose a stock. Oh yes. Yes. Oh man. It's guaranteed death. So no. that's really how the whole gameplay loop was based around it. I just wasn't a fan of it because it's like, copy it all the way. Like yeah. You're not going to half-ass copy Smash ever and expect it to be successful because Smash is one of those things that they put so much care and love into and that despite the fact that I'm not the hugest Smash person ever, but the formula works. That's why it's addictive. That's why it's fun. Now, I will say the character selection for that time was pretty great. You had Sweet Tooth from Twisted Metal, the clown. You had Nathan Drake... You had Raiden from the Metal Gear games. Nice. You had Fat Princess, which was a PlayStation Mini on the PlayStation 3, which this is kind of before indie games were, you know, a thing where mm-hmm. indie games were more like, oh, that's that's a downloadable game. And it was almost like a, like a derogatory term to mean like a game that was less than a big franchise. But it's... 
you know, you had Raiden, you had Fat Princess, you didn't have Crash Bandicoot because there's like I'm sure I'm sure it has to do with licensing, but who who else did you had? You had Cole from the infamous franchise. You had there Spike. was Dante from the yes. remake of Dante. The I remake, believe. the DMC from the Devil May Cry games. Yeah. Um. You had Spike from Ape Escape. You had Wasn't Sir there Daniel. like Ratchet and Clank too. Yes, Ratchet was playable. You also had what's his name? Oh God, it just hit me and then I lost it. See. The names that you're throwing out there, they're pretty good like contenders in Sony's lineup. So it whenever people heard speculations of the game, they kind of it was kind of foretold that, hey, this is something that you should be excited for. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. And, and I was. And then I got it and I was like, Oh, you played it you, you had one as a girl from Heavenly Sword, uh Cat from what is the name of this game? Gravity Rush. Oh, I remember that game. Yeah, you Gravity Rush is a great it. game. Yeah. The first one was a pretty good game. Especially with it being on the beat. I think later it was ported to PS4, but, you know, I think... No, you didn't have Bayonetta, because Bayonetta at that time... It's kind of like... That was right before Nintendo. She was just making her appearance in Smash, so, you know... No, this was way before that. Way before Smash. I feel like... No, not not Smash Ultimate, but, like, the original Smash she came out in. Which was the one on Wii U, I believe. Was she? Well, yeah, but what I'm saying is, this is before... If I'm remembering correctly, time-wise. This is before... Nintendo had gotten the rights to Bayonetta. Yeah. So, and I just think, like, what a modern-day All-Stars Battle Royale can look like, because you would have Kratos from God of War, uh, the new one. You would have Aloy from Horizon. You could have, like, Joel or Ellie from The Last of Us, of course. Would Spider-Man Nathan Drake, Spider-Man from the Insomniac game, you know? Yeah. So many good characters. So many. Think about it. You could have what's his name from Ghost of Tsushima. Like, oh shit! How cool would that Jin. be? Yeah, dude, yeah. that would be dope. Jin Sakai, and I think it would be. It would. It would look really cool. You know, Cloud obviously from Seven Remake, but obviously Cloud being in Smash, I think that there's like licensing issues and things like that. But yeah, it it was just such a wasted opportunity. Or not wasted, but that was one of the bigger letdowns for me because. I wanted to have that sort of Smash type game with the Sony properties because, like I said, there's so many properties that they have that it could work because obviously Microsoft's not doing that. And I would just love love to see it. If they ever decide in the future to do another one, I think now they have more that they can put in there. But that was just one of the one of the letdowns for, for me, to be honest. Now, with those characters you listed, there's always the possibility of them making an appearance in a Smash games because so far with, like, how rumors work in Smash Bros and video game universe and everything. Really, people feel like there's not really a lot of space or a lot of, you know, there's not a lot that Smash hasn't influenced. So really, like, whenever it comes to video games, a lot of people feel that it's kind of up in the air. As of Like, for example, right after Smash came out, Ultimate, the first releasable character for DLC was Joker, you know, and no one expected that. You know, Joker had just came out a couple months previously before Smash, I think, like with Persona 5 out at the time. Yeah, because Persona sure. 5 is not even available on Switch. I wasn't, yeah, exactly. Like, at first the game just, it was just its own on PlayStation consoles is what I played mine on. But no one really expected Joker to make an appearance in Smash's lineup. And ever since that character was released into the game, people kind of thought... Wow, like, with him in, like, there's literally no end to, like, what they could add. They could put in Dwayne Johnson for all I care, you know? That would be pretty dope, man, from a wrestling game. No, I'm joking. Obviously not, but no. 
No, I don't. Whatever. <laughs> anyway, we're not even going to go down that rabbit hole. So. <laughs> PlayStation All-Stars Battle Royale. You fucked me. I'd just like to thank you. You didn't even take me out to dinner. You just fucked me. And it wasn't good. It was not good. It was boring and repetitive, much like my ex. <laughs> I'll bleep that out in editing. <laughs> no, but I had high hopes for you. You let me down. And it's. I've never had a stepdad, but I imagine that's what it's like having a stepdad walk out on you. So I just want to say thank you. And fuck you at the same time, right? Whoa, whoa, dude. <laughs> <laughs> But you're not wrong. (laughs) (laughs) So we've been going for a little bit over an hour now. I think now would be a good point to kind of make that transition into that. That caught us by surprise. That kind of, you know, maybe came out of nowhere. So I definitely have more in here. And I think, Dylan, just for the sake of time, why don't we do... Why don't we do two apiece, and then at the end we'll just do some honorable mentions. Okay. Uh, that way, so maybe we can do the two that we're most surprised by, or the games that really stuck with us, or games that you really loved that just seemingly came out of nowhere. So if you don't mind, I'd like to kind of piggyback and, and start on this myself. For sure, man. Like, take it away. Awesome. So the first game that comes to mind, and it's funny because, you know, much like Godzilla was the first one that came to mind, for me, uh, for the negatives, the things that let me down, this was the first game that just kind of came out of nowhere and caught me by surprise. And that is 2015's Dying Light. Developed by Techland, Dying Light came out early, early 2015. I want to say it came out within maybe like January or February. So for those of you that don't know, Dying Light is a first person parkour zombie game that the main gameplay involves you traversing the levels and climbing and jumping from place to place but then you get weapons you know you get your melee weapons guns and they're upgradable you find blue pin prints and then you could get a grappling hook if you want but the game just the gameplay was so fluid and so awesome and it came out in a time where around 2015 or so i remember games were still you know, I feel like we've shifted away from game season because before at that time, it, like the later half of the year was when you really expected your heavy hitters, your exclusives, your your first party games and all that. You know, they'd all come out August, September, October, November, December. And I feel like so, we've kind of gotten away from that just because nowadays you kind of get really great games in the first half of the year and they, you know, they don't necessarily need to wait till the end. But yeah, I'm sorry, Dylan, you were saying? Oh, no, I was just going to say that, you know, it's funny that you mentioned Dying Light, because I know a lot, at the time, whenever the game came out, Walking Dead was such a big thing, you know, zombies were everywhere, zombie madness, really, you know, a lot of titles that came out at the time were, you know, previously Left 4 Dead, a couple Resident Evil titles, so zombies before then, you know, I think at the time of Dying Light, there might have been like Dead Island also, or something along those lines. Yeah, Dead Island also done by Techland. Yeah, and I just want to, you know, because there were all these games, and a couple of them might have escaped my attention. Dying Light, I did play a little bit too, but it felt similarly to Dead Island, in my opinion at least. You know, what was it that separated, you know, Dying Light from any other first-person survival game that you've probably played? So, my favorite thing is the game's emphasis on movement. So, you have these three separate skill trees where one is combat, one is movement, and then I think one is just like survival. Survival, you kind of build up by doing the story missions and things like that. And then, it's weird because you jump with, I think it's either L1 or R1, but because the game is so, it puts so much emphasis on parkour, 
it makes sense on why you're not using X. Mm. And you jump, and then if you are by a ledge, you automatically grab grab up to it. And then every jump you do, any traversal thing you do, it gives you experience points for everything you do. Really? So then you can build up like your movement skill tree, and then movement will, will give you different things like, oh, you have more stamina, or you take less fall damage, or you can do like a running slide. And then same thing with combat. Combat, you develop it by fighting off the zombies. And it was just so interesting because one of the things that I feel really sets Dying Light apart is the setting. I think it takes place in kind of a fictional version of like Turkey or something like that. Mm -hmm. And I feel like you don't really see a lot of games take place in these more not touched on countries. uh, countries, Because, you know, of course, how many war games take place in Germany? Of course, during D-Day, like how many times do you storm the beach of normandy but this really had a great setting the story was really good too because it's an infection that breaks out it's not like a zombie thing it's an infection and the people have kind of like the stuff called antizen which kind of helps suppress the infection it becomes this thing where like the government abandons the city and this guy rise who's basically he's kind of just like a warlord he takes control of everything so it's kind of like a lawless place but one of my favorite things about Dying Light is that there's like these safe zones that are like filled with zombies and you have to clear it out and then you can turn on the power and now this is like a base oh that you yeah can use. one of the things that I haven't touched on yet that the game was so cool is it has a day and night cycle so the day and night cycle is actually really progressive where it feels like daylight doesn't stay out too long but everything at night you earn double XP in everything you do but because of that it's more dangerous because it's harder to see and at some points it's pitch black and you have a flashlight that you can use and stuff like that, but there's, like, stronger infected out there. There's, like, these big hulking ones that kind of spit at you and do, you know, your classic zombie tropes of, like, oh, here's one that's fast, here's one that's aggressive, here's one that's, like, a tank. Um, oh, I so, so they have, like, their own unique special infected, right? Yeah, and then at okay. nighttime, it's kind of like a risk versus reward type thing. It's, like, you can die and lose all your experience, or you can go out there and risk it at night. But, like, you craft almost everything. You know, you find your weapons. Weapons have durability. And you can reinforce them and rebuild them. And then, you know, you get different rarity blueprints. So, you know, you'll get, like, a legendary katana blueprint. And you can nice. make a legendary katana. But then it has, like, these spots where you can add things to it. So, let's say you have a, a blueprint that adds electricity to weapon. You can add electricity to weapon. You can add fire to a weapon. It, it has a lot of cool customizable things like that and the game is just so fun multiplayer you know me and my friend Michael oh, yeah. play it where it could just be two of you like doing parkour running around and you come across a zombie yeah. and both of you literally just start kicking the shit out of it you know <laughs> but then you know there's grappling hooks later on so you it increases your traversal more and then you get like all there's like mythical weapons and shit like one of them is called like a dark machete and it's like glowing green and it's kind of like a uh, you know, supernatural type of weapon. You can craft shuriken and grenades and exploding throwing stars. And it, it's just great. And such a, like I said, it came out in January that year. I feel like a lot of people slept on it. But I just want to commend Techland because this game, I think even up until 2020, has still been getting updates. Free updates. I think that maybe a year or so after Dying Light came out, they released Dying Light the following, which was DLC that you might have had to pay for. But everything that came after that, any update, I believe was free. 
And they've done such a great job of supporting this game for, I mean, the game came out in 2015. We're in 2020. I believe they're still, I think that there's an upgrade for it now that something happens. You can enter like a medieval setting. So there's like these zombies and knight armor chasing you. It's just such a great game. And it came out around such a time. And the funny thing is I got it on, not not on accident, but I got it on a whim because for maybe it was, well, the game came out in January. So maybe I didn't play it until later on that year because i remember getting it from best buy they had like the gamers club thing and they gave me a promotion they're like hey you buy two games we'll give you another one free i bought my two games that i was getting at the time and then the last one i got for free was dying light and i played it and it's so funny because the one that i just picked up on a whim was the one that i loved most out of the three games that i bought yeah so even playing it by yourself playing it dylan if you if you wanted to get into dying light i would happily make a new game with you and we can both start fresh or i can use like my level 100 character with you to kind of help (laughs) you along but it's just so much fun like i said the story's good the updates you know they were so they added so much stuff and weapons and things to do that the game never felt stagnant yeah you can just run around and parkour and collect your experience if you wanted to you didn't have to fight anything yeah Uh, you you know you can do a, a dive kick on a group of zombies and kick one into a wall of spikes and stuff like that. So, yeah, I definitely want to give a huge shout-out to Dying Light by Techland. Great, yeah, great game. Available, I think, anywhere on PS4, physically and digitally. You can probably get it on a sale for, I imagine, like 15 bucks. Listen, if you see for Dying Light, just buy it at whatever price it's at. If you want to wait for a sale, great. I know you can get it pretty cheap, but trust me, this is definitely a game worth playing, especially if you're a fan of the zombie genre, but you want it to be just different enough that it, it doesn't feel repetitive, but it's it's great. I really can't say enough good things about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think with Dying Light and Dead Island stuff, games like that with zombies, like where it's you have to scour the land for survival and just whatever you can find, I think it definitely adds a lot more of a impact on, you know, the items that you can use. You know, re- resource management is something that Resident Evil brought into the survival horror genre. Mm-hmm. And with Dying Light, whenever you know, being able to customize your weapons and find a two by four just sitting on the floor and turning that into a weapon, that, that that's something that a lot of games don't give you a lot of freedom to. As you know, survival. Surprisingly, like you have Left for Dead, and they give you nothing but like an arsenal. You know, so it's pretty interesting whenever games give you just things that you can practically find and put them into a survival situation. Yeah, it adds a lot more realism to the game. Yeah, I mean, Dying Light, you can use guns. There are guns. There's pistols, there's machine guns, there's shotguns, there's all that. Um, But then, of course, you know, you have to worry about ammunition. So the majority of the game, at least I play with melee weapons because they're quiet. Um, Yeah, I was fixing to say, Dying Light was one of those games, too, where it's like if you fire a shot, then, you know, you kind of just alert. You alert them to your area, and, you know, it's funny because there's Rise's Men, who's the warlord. You'll occasionally, like, they have, the government has these drops, so the government's no longer in the city, so... They have these planes do these drops of supplies like medicine and food and all that. And usually you can get to it, but sometimes you'll get to it and Rise's men have gotten it, gotten to it first. And you can either like let them take it or you can decide that you want to fight them and kill them and take it for yourself. So, you know, and then you can bring those supplies back to like the strongholds where there's people like fighting for good. But it's it's really great because the game really offers you a lot of it's like, how do you want to play? What do you want your build, quote unquote, to be? I've seen people running around wearing a ninja outfit, just throwing, you know, throwing stars. And that's their (laughs) whole that's their whole specialty. And they obviously spec their their build that way. But honestly, if that's the way you want to enjoy the game, you do that. Yeah. And it looks so cool. I would love to see a free running ninja. 
there is a ninja outfit in the game and it just looks so cool like seeing him run and jump and like catch onto a ledge and you drop kick a zombie you can yeah do a dive bomb on a zombie (laughs) so but yeah it's it's so great i i I cannot recommend it enough i i really do love this game and like i said i got it as like a buy two get one free and it was like the third game that i just picked out of a bin so I was I was very surprised with it, and you know I'm very much looking forward to Dying Light 2, which is supposed to be coming out, I believe, for the next generation. I believe it will also come out on PS4, but given the option, if it comes out for PS5, I will obviously be getting it for PS5. So definitely, man. If it does come out on PS5, that's whenever we're gonna play it, man. Start both fresh level ones and dive kick zombies and ninja outfits together. Hell yeah, man. <laughs> but um, so that's 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 one of mine. You know, is there any games like that? What Tell me what took you by surprise. What well, kind of I mean, nothing along the lines of Dying Light, but mm-hmm. one that surprised me coming from an RPG too was the Disgaea games. Um, okay. If I can mention, if I could talk about all of them, we would be here for more than just an extra hour. So. I've played one of them, so I have a I have a familiar understanding of uh, yeah. the Sky series. I mean, most of them kind of fall along the same storyline of like it taking place in the Netherworld, and it would it's basically like this alternate universe where nothing but chaos and bad shit happens, murder, pillaging, stuff like that, you know. But aside from that, there's like demons. I don't want you to get like an idea of like dogma or some sort of mythic game but it's more like an anime based rpg very anime-esque it's a game also that i feel absolutely it doesn't take itself too seriously like the games the games are comedic you know if i could just give a quick example just the first disguise game i ever played was disguise 3 on the vita yeah shout out to the vita and the overall story is like you're the son of the overlord of hell and he accidentally comes into your room and steps on your console and breaks it <laughs> you know yeah, so his that's... whole goal is to become strong enough to kill his father because his dad basically ruins his playstation or whatever so you know the See, games are are very I... light-hearted and comedic dude i i feel for that character man i would be in the exact same situation if i were him but <laughs> if i were to choose oh well, first off i just want to say good things about the game and just overall Mm-hmm. As I a don't. Yeah, just overall, I don't play a lot of RPGs. Where surprisingly, even though it's a single player game, I actually first played the game with like a group of friends. We you get like your base characters, and then from there you get like customizable, creatable characters. And through that, we were able to make like our own little characters and control them through the game. It, because each character, you get one additional option for your turn. You know, you can do one action, and that's it. So it was kind of fun to just take our time and just pass the controller around and be like, oh, it's your turn to use this character. And, you know, it kind of kept a little bit of activity in the room. So it was surprisingly, you know, it, the game became what we made it to be. So... And it became something pretty fun but for everyone in the household, not just a single-player game. So that was pretty interesting about it. Aside from that, it's got a lot of anime moments and just a bunch of tropes that they throw along the way that kind of give you a sense of humor. And surprisingly, with all that, they add a little bit of drama and... Oh, man, there, there's a lot of heartfelt moments in the game, too. Like, certain scenes or the reason why. I think good things about RPG is they give you a character that you don't really know too much about. And then through the story, you know, they through character development, you become to be more latched onto this. And you start to see, you know, maybe this person is the way they are because certain things before the game led up to that point, you know. And Disgaea does a real way, real good way of explaining 
not just the backstories of the main character, but every character as a whole. So it's not just one person. I want to talk about this Gaia 2 specifically, because that was my favorite one in the series. Because it introduced Adele, who was a human, quote. Someone like you. But he's basically going... (laughs) to fight demons trying to save his parents or seek redemption for them because there's some sort of he he has a feeling that they went to fight i'm just gonna tell you a little bit of the intro story and that's it the story takes place with your main character and his adoptive family putting together a potion to summon a demon lord overlord xenon who Mm. is basically the he's the main boss of the game and when they do the summon instead of getting a demon lord they get the demon lord's daughter okay and that is your first party right there the that's main pretty character. anime-esque <laughs> yeah exactly you know what i mean like that's very anime-esque not even slightly you know but i i man i'd love to spoil the story for y'all one day if y'all if if we get comments on like you know well when did hey, when did this guy three game. came out obviously we're gonna preface this conversation right now by saying if you're interested in playing disgaea was it disgaea 2 yeah disgaea 2 disgaea 2 then you know maybe skip ahead the next 10 minutes or so if you don't want to spoil but no just i would definitely if it's something like holy shit type of spoiler yeah. then maybe no it's like revelation okay then, it's whole yeah. story plot yeah yeah sure so i mean when when did it come out it's been a few years right gosh it came out back whenever i was in junior high man mm-hmm. so yeah, that over was 10 years what what is first of all what did you play disguise 2 on disguise 2 i played it back on ps2 uh, okay the first one also came out on playstation 2 also but, but i think they're available on i think the disguise games are now on steam i believe they're also available disguise i think it's one they, of the disguise is available on the they playstation network re- they actually remade the first play- Disgaea 1 not too long ago. And as far as 3, 4, and 5, 2, 3, and 4, I definitely think you can play them on like the Vita as downloadable games. Play on the Vita. I cannot emphasize yeah. this enough. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely one of those games you can easily play on the Vita. You don't have to play on like the TV for this one. It's something you can just sit comfortably and just play in your hands. Yeah, because Disgaea 4 and 5, I know, were on the PS4. Yeah. I think Disgaea 1, I think it's called Disgaea 1 Complete, is on the PlayStation Store, and I think yeah. also on Switch. I don't know if they have done Disgaea 2 yet, so... No. But I imagine that Disgaea 2 is available somewhere digitally. Oh, yeah. I mean, if they ever make a remake for that game, I would happily pick that up just to play it again. It was really yeah. fun. Shoot, I've played Disgaea, Disgaea 5 at least three times just mm-hmm. because it was interesting. You know, I, I like a story with a lot of twists, and yeah. the game definitely gave you that. Yes, e- sorry. Even with all the it. jokes and stuff mm-hmm. thrown into it, it, it makes a really good story. And yeah. I, I can't recommend the game enough. Like, it's something that you can just sit on the couch and just comfortably play without stressing. Yeah, so for anyone who does want to play it, Disguise 2 is available on Steam. I just found it. I just looked it up. So, that's Oh, it awesome. is on Steam? Yes, it's on Steam available. Wow, that's surprising. Yeah, I mean, I think Persona 5 just came to Steam, right? Wow. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Persona 4 Golden, that originally was exclusive to the Vita. Shout yeah. out to the Vita. I think that's gained some notoriety on there. So Steam is kind of starting to get these more obscure RPGs, so I think that's always a, fail, a good uh, fallback for anyone who wants to experience these. Cause, that's true. Like I said, I've only played 3, uh, Disgaea 3 on the vita and it just i couldn't tell you how funny it was to me like it was it was you know i found myself laughing and it kind of was you know dumb surprisingly the the jokes are 
man, how do I explain it? Like, the jokes, they're not, they're, they're expected, but even though they're expected, they're very, you, you still feel it, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's good writing, is what it is. Yeah. And it's so funny because, you know, in Disgaea 3, at least, I'm sure that the others are the similar way. The, like, one of the first get things of armor you get is, like, oven mitts. Or your shield is like <laughs> a, a rusted tire or something. Yeah. And then, of course, you start getting these crazy weapons like Lance of the Demon Dragon or something like that. But when yeah. you start off, you know you're using like kitchen utensils, things like that. It's just, yeah. you know, it's a game that it's very lighthearted. They don't take themselves too seriously, but there's still good story and good gameplay there. There's also, I find, a lot of replayability now. Just shoot, man. I mean, just mm-hmm. to play it, too. Shoot. They have this feature in the game called like the item world, and it's literally random procedurally generated maps in the game that just generate randomly and from there you can just farm items if you want Mm -hmm. or power up your item well well that's the main aspect of it power up a certain item you go into the item itself a world Uh, in the item yeah okay and then through that you level it up that's how on top of the game having their own characters that they specifically level up they also have items that you level up and through the item world you actually increase your character stats through powering up their items. Disgaea 3 had uh, the same thing. It used to obviously a little, something a little bit different. The because, numbers in this game. Yeah, because in Disgaea 3 at least, every weapon you have, every piece of gear you have, can go to level 9,999. Yeah. Right? And yeah. sometimes you're hitting these people for like... 125,000 hit points, you know, something or, or points of damage. So the numbers are it, so insane, they add like letters to represent how many actual numbers fall behind the yeah. actual number displayed on the screen. And also, like, <laughs> the the moves are like these crazy. So, one thing you, we haven't touched on yet, Disgaea, for those of you that want to know what the gameplay style is, it's like Final Fantasy Tactics. It's a grid-based tactical RPG where you have your positioning of your characters and then certain moves will go in a cross pattern or three ahead of you or two to the right, something like that. And then you, you traverse the grid and then that's where your enemies are. So it's it's like a board. It's like a grid. It's a grid. Basically. So, and then you can do like combo attacks and it's usually it ends in some crazy sort of explosion. Uh, but no, they, they, they are fun. I think that's what originally attracted me yeah. to it because I was right around the time when I first got my Vita. So I, I that was one of the first games I picked up and I just remember thinking, Wow, this is such a this is such a gem. So I'm I'm right there, I'm right up there with you with in terms of being surprised by that game out of nowhere. Yeah, man. Like the amount of damage you could pour out into that game is insane. There's no game that ever like showed how much damage you output towards like enemies you go up against. So it's very surprising. Like the level cap doesn't hit until thousand or something like that. No, nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine. Good God. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so it's it's definitely a, a fun game, and yeah, uh, I'm, I'm 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 glad that you brought that one up, D, because that's that's definitely a good one. Yeah, man. I mean, is there one that you would like to talk about again? So you know, You're I had Dying two. Light. Uh, for my second one, I have a few different ones on here, but I think the one that definitely sticks with me the most it's a game i still play to this day it's one of my go-tos whenever i don't know what to play and that is a little gem by the name of the binding of isaac rebirth Mm. now the binding of isaac rebirth is a upgraded version with a bunch of extra content of an original steam game called the the binding of isaac now the binding of isaac originally came out in 2011 on steam and i think it was like flash based so picture like a zelda top down one of your analog sticks moves up down left right and then your other one is your attack up down left right so 
The Binding of Isaac Rebirth, originally I came across it because it was a PlayStation Plus game. You know, I know we touched last episode about how some of these great games that we probably would have never played otherwise come from PlayStation Plus. Well, this was one of those games. Now, Rebirth has a bunch of content. It's done by Edmund McMillan. Now, the crazy thing about them is this is the dude who did Super Meat Boy. And it's kind of a dark game, not only in terms of its story, but like even those things that you come across. So I'm going to touch base just a little bit on the plot is you're a boy named Isaac and your mother is like a religious fanatic who believes that she hears the voice of God telling her that in order for you to prove your love to me, I need you to kill your son. This is very reminiscent of, I think it's in the book of Revelations or the Old hang, Testament. Hang on, wait. I, so you've told me a lot about Binding of Isaac. Mm-hmm. I feel like that main fact right there kind of escaped whatever it is that you've told me about it so far. See, I knew this game, like originally, had a pretty twisted introduction. Yes. But I didn't know that it started off like that, like right off the bat. Like, Oh yeah, this is that... in the first, like when you open the game and it starts playing the intro, it does a little drawn version of the story. And okay. basically God is telling Isaac's mom, like kill him. She goes to kill him and he escapes into the basement. Well, the gameplay comes from you being Isaac starting off in the basement and you're Isaac, you're this little kid. I want to say, I don't know if they ever say how old Isaac is, but he's almost like a baby. He has to be definitely less than seven years old, I believe. And how you move, you know, down left right is you know you're moving on through dungeons so you go through a door and then you enter another room and another room and ultimately you get to a boss room and then once you beat the boss you go into a lower level but the attacks is you're actually shooting your tears and your tears are what are damaging the enemies and some of these enemies are like flies some of these enemies are kind of grotesque looking versions of yourself some of them are like just floating heads or some of them is just like a literal piece of shit a piece of shit is like chasing you around the room (laughs) and it's procedurally generated it's randomly generated every time so i think they say that you'll never play the same game twice because the rooms are always different and how the gameplay kind of works is you you always you, you start finding these items and usually they'll affect your movement speed but mostly what some of them will do is that they affect your tears so for instance you will shoot your tears faster or your tears will be bigger or it'll give your tears a piercing effect sometimes instead of tears you're shooting out bombs or sometimes kind of like a railgun shooter almost right kind of where you collect like certain power-ups and then it gives you different attacks but the thing is they stack so let's say you get one that instead of shooting one tier directly across from you, you shoot three kind of in a Y formation shot. And then okay. you find another one that instead of shooting tiers, you shoot bombs. Well, now what you do is you shoot three bombs in a Y formation. So, oh, wow. You know, the effects tend to stack. And then that's where kind of the, the gameplay goes where you have good runs where you get these abilities and... You find these things called devil rooms where you can make a deal with the devil, usually in exchange for your hearts. So your hearts are like your life bar, and you can get them and lose them depending on what happens in the game. So you can find one just lying on the ground, and instead of three hearts, now you have four. Well, if you find a devil room, they're like, okay, well, we'll give you this power called brimstone, which instead of shooting tears, you shoot this giant red laser uh, out of your mouth. But in order for you to get brimstone, you have to give three of your heart containers, and then they just take those away from you. So now you like permanently permanently, Um, but you can go in later levels and find more heart containers. So it's, it's very much like a risk reward. Do you want to risk this to get that? So, you know, now you're doing a lot more damage, but you can be killed in one shot. So the runs are so unique. They're so, you know, and the, the enemies that you face there, the music is great. The, the music for the binding eyes. I have the, the soundtrack on my phone and it's, 
it's one of those great games of it's just so addictive and every run is different and it's so creepy because some of them is like headless babies running at you and man you know you have a a you know at one point one of the final bosses you fight is called mom's heart and it's just like a giant heart in the middle of the room except on the bottom top left and right of the room on the ends it's like parts of of your mom coming out at you her arms her feet are crashing down on you or it's like one of her giant eyeballs and it's a, it's a very engaging game because it's crazy because you see like what combination of things can i start to mix up yeah. to to you know get these quick runs or these good runs because you know there are such things as good runs and bad runs because not all the and not all the items you find are a benefit to you like some of them will straight up make your tears less powerful some of them will make them not go as far some of them huh. you know it, it's it's kind of like there's so many items in the game it's it's an insane amount of items that they have in the game but you kind of start learning what some of them are and you're like oh okay there's like a item I, forget, I think it's called curse of the tower so every time you take damage it spawns like five bombs in the room which would sound great except the bombs also damage you so oh. it could work out in your effect because it could kill all the enemies in the room or it could also damage you every time that you're already damaged yeah. So I think that sort of... It's definitely really interesting, man. I was thinking just now, like, I'm curious how the game functions whenever you complete a boss. Do you get to keep that power-up that you got on the previous floor? And then with yes. that boosted power-up combination, you get more power-ups in the game that lead to more potentially broken combinations, right? Oh, yeah. Well, so the funny thing is, I'm so happy you said that because the funny yeah, thing about the I Binding of Isaac... the game would have, like, refreshed and then it's like, oh, you start off with tears again on the next floor. No. So every floor that you go through, you bring whatever was in the last level with you. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, so you bring it with you. So it's kind of one of those, like, you get to the end because in the beginning, like, once you reach, it's like you'll start off in basement one, then basement two, then cellar one, cellar two, and then eventually, like, you'll be in kind of, like, the underworld or, you know, you'll be in... It's crazy because you just keep going down, keep going down. In the beginning, I think you have five or six levels that you go through, and then the more times you beat the game, it starts adding different enemies and different items. So if you beat Mom's Heart five times, well, now you don't fight Mom's Heart at the end of a run. You fight something called It Lives. And It Lives is literally a fetus. And it becomes like a bullet hell because it starts shooting these blood bullets all over, and you're trying to damage it while it's fighting. It's It's such a great game because the more you play it the more it changes it starts adding items it starts adding different levels it starts adding different different items and power-ups and things like that um at one point you can fight satan and then Whoa, at one point what? even then you can fight mega satan man i and feel then, like there's a lot of controversy behind this game like oh there is there really is because maybe not a, a lot, lot of, of the, controversy oh, a lot of topics that the game would touch up on like immediately from the beginning i was like whoa like that definitely sounds like something that would immediately hook me but it's like man some people you know depending on what subject matter of the course. game is based on or what it touches up on it may like cause some stir in some people you know what no, I mean? for sure. In fact, the game I think was originally supposed to come out on the 3DS, but because at this time, you know, Nintendo was Nintendo's yeah. very much like, hey, any sort of religious imagery, things like that, you know, we, we they, they, they're super strict about things like that. So right. it, that's why we're I did a not company come out for on, everyone, okay? Yeah, that's why I came out uh, that's why I didn't come out on 3DS, but when they released it on Switch, I believe it came out in its full form, because I feel like the Switch, they learned from the Wii U, where they're like, hey, we really need to have more of a third-party presence, so let's start including some of these more obscure titles and things like that, but yeah, The Binding of Isaac Rebirth, guys, if you haven't played it, you can get it super cheap, 
they release updates. Yeah, well, I don't know if they're doing any more updates, but you know, the Binding Isaac was original. Then they had Rebirth, and then they had Afterbirth, and then like Afterbirth Plus, and then each time they add like different playable characters. So you don't always have to play as Isaac. They have different characters. The game has very, very prevalent religious overtones for a lot of things. So you can play as a character named Lazarus and Eve from, like, Adam and Eve. And some of them have different effects to them. Different. They start off with different hearts. You can start off... There's a character called Azazel that you start off. He can automatically... has the power of flight, so he doesn't have to touch the ground. And he automatically starts with the brimstone laser instead of tears. So it's one of those things that it has such a wide variety in how you want to play and... But like I said, it's different every time. So I, if anyone's out there, it's available on Steam, Xbox, PlayStation 4, on Vita, and I believe Switch as well. Because they even released a physical version on the Switch, which I thought was pretty cool. Because it came uh-huh. with like stickers or something like that. So I, I cannot recommend it, recommend it enough. The yeah. Binding Isaac Rebirth. You like, have no excuse to not play it. This is 10 out of 10. Soundtrack's amazing. Story's great and creepy and unsettling. But I like stuff like that. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Dylan? I'm, I'm kind of going on a tangent. It's all good, man. Uh, yeah, I'll take it away with this one, and definitely one that I want to talk about. It it has to do with a lot more reading because, like I was mentioning before, I I really like story-based driven games, and this one happens to be nothing but story, and it would be the Ace Attorney games. Oh, nice. Yeah, pretty good. Yeah, man. They're nothing but it's nothing but visual story. You know, like mm-hmm. they give you text. And you go off of that. And with that game, it's like, okay, the the basis of the game is you're starting off as a rookie attorney. You have to defend clients. And within all that, you have to also find evidence to prove they're, they're not guilty, first off. And also to find counter-arguments to whatever your prosecutor is saying. Mm-hmm. It's so a rebuttal. They kind of put you, yeah, it's kind of like you find the flaw in a sentence that they say. The game tells you who the main who who is guilty first off, the main villain right off the bat, and from there it's like, okay, well, I gotta figure out the clues on how I can prove my client doesn't have any relation to this crime at all, and how I can prove the person in the defense in the prosecutor seat is guilty instead. So they kind of like twist it in the court. It's basically a courtroom drama. Yeah, it's narrative based. It's yeah, it's a like text reader, but you also have like small little gameplay, like mini game yeah. aspects to it. I have familiar experiences because Danganronpa is kind of like that. Yeah, play Danganronpa. Honestly, with text based games, if you're looking to get like entertained and just read a couple texts and just be in a story definitely the ace attorney will it'll it'll captivate you i promise you yeah i feel like ace attorney in fact they became recently available i think on all platforms steam Mm -hmm. switch uh ps4 in the ace attorney collection which is the trilogy is out on switch so yes really get a lot of hours of gameplay it's the collection of the first three games i feel like there's a very low barrier to entry just based off of how the game actually plays so it's i hear nothing but great things about ace attorney so for you know obviously this section this overall topic this part of the topic has been about games that kind of came and surprised us so or might have you know maybe come out of nowhere yeah Um, so how did you actually come in contact with this game like what was your first experience it's so funny that you bring that up because i didn't even play this game on 3ds i played it on my phone you can play it on the phone really you can play it on your phone. Like, it's on the iPad, well, the iPhone, and I think it's also on the Google Play Store, if I'm not mistaken. I don't have the Play Store phones, or any Android phones for that matter, so I couldn't confirm with you. I love that you said the Play Store phones. Yeah, well, you know what I mean. But, like, on Google Play Store, services. Yeah, but the Apple Store, 
definitely has the game for sure. I'm certain of that. Capcom has a couple games that they release on their phone. And honestly, if you're just spending time on your phone and you just want like a good story to get into, like you can play the first chapter for free, get a feel for what the game is like. And if you feel like investing in it, like there it is right there. It's such a good game to at least give a chance. Since it's I free. Can, I can confirm. Um, yeah. It looks like here, I'm looking at the Play Store right now, Ace Attorney Dual Destinies, Ace Attorney Investigations, yeah. Apollo Justice, Ace yeah. Attorney... See, and so Spirit it, of Justice. Now, all these are directly from Capcom, so it's mm-hmm. not like some dude who like no. did some game and put it up on the store. No, these all look like direct Capcom like yeah. cell license phone ports. and everything. Yeah, yeah. and then I believe they range anywhere from like ten ninety nine to nineteen ninety nine, depending on which one you get. Um, Dual Destinies looks like it's the most expensive one at twenty bucks. Yeah. But if we're just talking like the Ace Attorney line as like a whole definitely like get into any of them at some point the stories coincide with one another like phoenix wright is always going to be phoenix wright the main character in the first game always makes an appearance at some point through the next iteration of the game so it's kind of like it's not like your final fantasy where cloud only makes an appearance in seven and he's never going to make an appearance in like 16 or something like that right you know he wasn't kingdom hearts but yeah well yeah but you know with phoenix wright i feel with it being a free game that you can just download off of your phone and you get the first chapter you can have like a fir- a feel of how the game goes just from and have your own personal opinion about it and then from there you can make that decision on your own on whether or not this is something that really sticks with you or not and the, the game it definitely like with the iphone and everything like that too they have other installations of it where it wasn't at its original form it it improved so if you do like the first game and you would like to see where the story goes from there there's always the chance that you could always just play more of it so it's a good game to get invested in and once you get into it it, it's interesting it kind of reminds me of like the case closed series because there's always like mystery and stuff and Ah, that stuff intrigues me detective conan yeah man that stuff is interesting yeah, I always liked Sherlock Holmes as the yeah. the witty, intelligent detective and all that. Yeah. And East Attorney, you know, the famous thing is like, I object, and you know, you can object. Yeah. And I mean, there's definitely that, to, but the main character is definitely a lot goofier than that. Oh, I'm sorry for interrupting. Oh no, dude, you're too, fine. By the way, yeah, it's just man, this is some great stuff we're going on about today. Yeah, man. Ace Attorney definitely a, a franchise. I have only watched gameplay of them. Yeah. I have not played any of them personally, but I, with the collection now being out, and like Dylan was saying, I feel like the barrier of entry for this game in terms of gameplay-wise, even price-wise and availability-wise, like you can definitely hop into this relatively easy. And yeah. and uh, I know that those games are beloved by a lot of people. I don't think I ever really hear too much negative coming from Ace Attorney fans other than when they put Phoenix Wright in what was it marvel vs. capcom uh, well Ultimate first off we weren't upset by that we were incredibly impressed we were didn't, you we really didn't, i didn't expect nick to make an appearance and to be such a decent character first off okay well, fair, <laughs> you just fair. spam the objections the whole time it's oh, hilarious i don't know yeah, what man. that means but someone out there <laughs> does and that's the important thing someone right now listening yeah. in bangladesh yeah Whoever and i only say marvel that because capcom. yeah i was looking at the analytics for our show and we have like seven or eight downloads in bangladesh i don't know where they came from i have been promoting the podcast on like spot on the spotify i'm sorry on like my instagram on my facebook and things mm, like that trying my and part too dude i am in the process of seeing so i have some some people who i follow and who i'm kind of 
familiar with on Instagram and I'm like, hey, I want you to take a listen at this. Let me know if you like it because I'm never going to ask someone to help pro- help us promote something if they actually don't feel genuinely good about it. So I was like, listen to it. If you enjoy the podcast, if you like it, if you think that there's something there, then maybe you'll consider promoting it for us and helping us kind of get the word out there. Me and Dylan, we don't have like huge social media presences. In fact, I think it's quite the opposite, or at least I'm speaking for myself, but I, I do want more people to be able to kind of have access to the show or maybe they just aren't aware that it exists yet so you might be seeing you know some people i'd like to have some people advertise the show and we'll always be up front i i like to especially during corona this is a pandemic a lot of people have lost jobs so if someone with some influence who who likes our show promotes it it's because we are asking them to and of course we compensate them for that so we i don't want it to seem like oh they're paying people to promote the show to get the word out what's like well, yes, but I'm being upfront about that and I'm telling you. And I, anyone who I have approached to help us promote the show, I've told them, if you like the show, then let me know and then we can talk about that. But I'm not going to ask someone to just promote the show if they don't genuinely like it because yeah. I, I want them to, to speak from a place of knowing as well and say, oh, you know, I've listened to it. It's good. I can, I don't mind sharing this and I, I like to compensate people for their time. So will always be about that and you'll see like hashtag ad someone is promoting the show and they did receive some form of compensation for us but that's just because i i you know if they're taking time out of their day i want to make sure that especially like i said during corona like the least i can do is show you show my gratitude and it's like help you with something if i'm if we're able to so yeah i get that man that's good definitely so dylan do you want to you want to list off some some honorable mentions just maybe go over some titles real quick and then we can kind of start wrapping up the show may have surprised me man i mean one that's kind of in my heart right now is Yu-Gi-Oh! duelist of the rose yeah, yeah. i <laughs> mean that based uh rpg i i have a pattern man they they get me yeah but that one also it, caught me by surprise that was pretty good it honestly wasn't that bad of a game it, i don't think it was yeah I it was mean, no uh, forbidden memories on ps1 see, but i i felt something that's very interesting about the game starting out is once you do the introduction and you put in your character name Depending on the name that you put into your character, that at the time, the name was pretty much the only character customization you got. Correct. But through that game, depending on the name you put, it gives you an option of starter decks. So whenever I played the game, my options of starter decks was different because I put in Dylan. Mm-hmm. But whenever my brother played the game, his name is Nick. He put in Nick, and he had a whole different option. So that kind of surprised me with like all the different possibilities of how you can start the game and then they also have thousands of different cards which by the way konami also animated all the battle like little battle cut scenes in between each monster fighting you know they animated those so shout out to them for putting through all that work especially on a ps2 game too yeah uh, gamecube i think also came out on gamecube i think Um, it's forbidden kingdom and stuff oh that was a great rpg also but we're talking about duelist of the rose and i liked it That's Do you awesome. have any one you want to talk about, man? I feel like I went off on two already and then went straight into my, you know, honorable mentions. Yeah, no worries, dude. I'm just going to list off some titles and, you know, maybe say a few sentences about each. I have here uh, Super Stardust Delta on the Vita. Okay. It's a I've never heard of game. that one. Yeah, Housemark is a, I believe it's a Finnish developer. A development studio from Finland. It came out in 2012. Housemark, they make a lot of arcade-style games. So, like, you know, great music. Addictive gameplay, high score chasing. Uh, Super Stardust Delta, you're uh, you're a ship that is basically on a round orb that's a planet. 
Yeah. And there's different things invading the planet, and you're just shooting at them, and you get power-ups and things like that, so... See, I feel like with Binding of Isaac and this game you're mentioning now, something that should definitely be on your list would be something like... Oh, man, I'm sorry to interrupt you. No, you're good. Just, just continue what you were saying. It'll come back to me. I'm sorry. <laughs> no worries, Nate. <laughs> so, um, Far Cry 3 by Ubisoft. Uh, first Far Cry game I ever played. Really great story antagonist was great and character named Voss gameplay is fun infiltrating bases and liberating them and you know collectibles and it's a sandbox game a checkbox list uh, you know checkbox just completing one task after the other uh, gunplay was really fun and you know I got the platinum trophy in it so if that's any indication um, I, I'm sorry to interrupt mm-hmm. but my thought just came back to me you mentioned yeah. Binding of Isaac and from what it sounds like you're a real big fan of like these railgun shooters you're not I, I, one that I'm not hearing you mention that you talked about with me before is Hotline Mike Miami, and I'm surprised that you didn't put that on your list at all, or you know, I haven't said anything about the honorable mentions about it yet. And I well, know that that's one that you hold dear to you. Let's just say this isn't going to be the last time Hot Miami shows up on this show. So, right. if that's any sort <laughs> of a uh, little bit of a tease, you that's know, fine. If it's, I mean, I didn't bring up anything about Catherine. If it's so. tickling your pickle. Uh, <laughs> It's because you might see Hotline Miami in the show later on. Great, great game, by the way. Oh, man. But no, Far Cry 3, I did say KG Inafune was going to come up later on in the game, and that's because Soul Sacrifice on the Vita, great game, JRPG, by, produced by KG Inafune. It was a really cool Vita, like, picture almost like a Monster Hunter game just not as intricate and not as <laughs> convoluted um but it was really cool because you played as um i think they're called hunters or something like that the game is called soul sacrifice because you get these things called rights and let's say you want like it's they're called black rights r-i-t-s so like one of them is like oh the brain right and it'll, it'll do something where you have to like sacrifice a body part to use a power so that's why the game is called soul sacrifice because it involves you sacrificing you know certain parts of your body to to have these powers to attack these monsters and kill them and the story was really good and you know on the Vita of course I'm a huge fan of that but those are those are just a few of them uh, Middle Earth Shadow of Mordor oh, yeah, that was good. I don't really like Lord of the Rings I'm gonna be straight up but this game you know gameplay was awesome story was yeah. you know even someone like me who doesn't really like Lord of the Rings could get into it and it had a nemesis system which was really cool that if you fought an enemy they would go away and then the enemies off screen would fight and control for power so he might come back stronger um, so i thought that was always pretty cool or if you lost to an enemy he would gain ranks in his army and his base or whatever would become a little bit more heavily guarded and stuff like that but uh it's definitely shadow of mordor is like selling factor right there i feel like that one twist to the game yeah made it like its own open world Oh, 100%. It made it stand out in the game when, because, you know, there was a point, especially in, like, 2014, 2015, where every every game started promoting open world, because open world is a new thing. Now I'm kind of tired of the open world synthetic. I'm I'm kind of of leaning more towards more linear games, just because I'm trying to play games quicker now. I guess I'm so busy with everything. But, yeah, those are just a couple of shout-outs. Those are games that might come up later on in different episodes on the show if we decide to do certain episodes on certain things. But we want you guys to have a decent amount of, of episodes so you can get the rhythm of the show going i didn't want to just do two regular episodes and say oh this episode is now 100 percent about mega man x which we talked about doing but I, I want you guys to have maybe we'll do something dylan where like every episode every like 10th episode we'll dedicate to you know like a solid like a, a, a specific yeah. game or something like that we'll come up with a rhythm but you know oh, you guys shoot, will man you guys will be along the, the ride for it so oh yeah right now but we're yeah, just trying so, to figure out a comfortable pace for us right now and then once we kind of take off and figure out what works better 
So and I just have... There, we'll talk about like a lot more interesting things for sure. 100%. Yeah, of course. I just have some things I wanted to let everybody know. So we are officially on Apple Podcasts. We are on Spotify. We are on Pocket Casts. We are on Deezer, D-E-E-Z-E-R. And we are on TuneIn. So I believe we're also on Stitcher. We were approved for Stitcher. I just don't know if they started publishing our stuff yet. They said it could take up to two weeks. But at this point, you know, you can kind of you can kind of find us on, on... If you listen to podcasts, chances are you use one of these services. Obviously, Apple Podcasts, Pocket Casts, and Spotify being the big three. Looking at the numbers for our podcast, it looks like those are the big three. So, you know, we can see certain things of like how many listens we have in certain countries and things like that that's why i kept bringing up bangladesh because for some reason there's like seven people who listen to our show in bangladesh or our episode has been listened to seven times from bangladesh and like two in the republic of france and the rest are like in the u.s i just banged my watch on the table but so i just wanted to let you guys know we are up and running on all those services if you guys have any questions thoughts concerns opinions thoughts ideas for segments anything like that you of course can email us at the gaming disorder podcast at gmail.com you can also send dms to our instagram page please follow us on instagram at the gaming disorder podcast our instagram page is basically just going to promote whenever we release episodes it's just going to be another another form of social media for you guys to be able to get in t- contact with us i know not everyone necessarily likes using email and, and you know almost everyone has an instagram so you can reach out to us on either one of those so definitely the the lines of communication are open our episode, our website is not up and running yet i'm still working on that just a lot of things have been coming up and to be honest building a website has been difficult even though i'm using squarespace which promotes about how easy it is but that is not a jab at squarespace that is a jab at myself because <laughs> i am an un like i'm, I'm just Sorry, man. Sometimes, we're but... just figuring it out yeah so next week i'm excited to announce we are going to try a new form of recording so we've been using clean feed the last two episodes i finally figured out what was that little ticking from the last episode guys i just want to apologize if in the last episode you heard a bit of static so i use a yeti x mic and the Yeti X mic has like eight whatever receivers that picks up directions, picks up sound omnidirectionally. And I had accidentally turned on the button in the back that picked up audio from the front and the back of the mic instead of just the front. So the back of my mic is actually pointed at my computer. So I think it was picking up the fan from my computer. So I don't think I picked it up at all during this whole episode. I will hear it during editing if it is there. I will edit anything that's not supposed to be in there and the ahs and the ums and the all that stuff. So you're getting a better product each time, I feel. But yeah, this has been the Gaming Disorder Podcast, episode three. I, of course, have been your host, uh, the Forte Jorge. With me as always, the illustrious, the wonderful, the Disgaea-loving Dylan Lang. Thanks, man. Shoot. I feel like I should say something more, but thanks for taking your time to listen to this. We really appreciate it. Yeah. So next week, of course, you'll be getting episode four. Look forward to that. What the topic is, to be honest, we don't know yet, but that's part of the joy, isn't it? It's kind of like getting a Christmas gift in February, and you're like, what the fuck is this? Well, it can be whatever you want it to be, but most likely it's animal-themed socks. So for this week, signing off. Thank you, guys. You've been great. We've been great. And we'll see you next time. Peace.